number they What is nothing? Yeah, that's D. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Welcome to That's Deep Bro. I am your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this uh, week's episode. We have a lot of fantastic emails to get into. But first, let's cover some business. Uh, April 29th, San Francisco, California at Cobb's Comedy Club. Uh, Just a handful of tickets left on that uh, show. Um, So get them now if you're interested. And then May 4th in Huntington Beach at the Rec Room Comedy Club. Um, May 9th, Oxnard, California. Excuse me, at the Levity Live. And then I've added a show December 8th in New York City at the Gramercy Theater, uh, which is so exciting. And uh, we did a pre-sale on that, and that was fantastic. So the regular tickets are now on sale for that one, December 8th, New York City, Gramercy Theater. I'm going to be adding some other stuff very shortly coming up. But uh, for now, that's where we're at. Very exciting, amazed, all that good stuff, you guys. Looking forward to 2019. I think it's going to be a very exciting year. Exciting. God, time just goes by so fast, isn't it? It's fucking absurd. Okay, also, Amazon, if you do your shopping using my banner, uh, what that means is next time you shop on Amazon, go to that Zebro podcast. Dot com. Click on the banner at the bottom of every post. Do your shopping as you normally would. It just helps the show along. Kicks back some change. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So silly. Come on. Who talks like that? All right. What am I doing? What do we have today? All right. Let's get into it. I'm, uh, I'm feeling a little, a little British as usual. Let's see. What do I got? Let's do the Buzzcocks. This is a good song. the buzzcocks are pretty standard that's good that's good shit right standard classics i feel like that's that's like the model for punk rock that's what it, it that's that's how it should sound that's it that's the band let's see i'm waiting for my instacart man uh they, they give you constant updates on every on my new show <laughs> i've never been so involved simultaneously involved and disinterested in my grocery shopping <laughs> It's it's like you I outsource this shit so that I can sit here and do my podcast and then there's like 50,000 questions on what kind of raisin bread um I would like in place of my first choice. <laughs> Listen, if I gave a shit about my groceries, don't you think I'd be shopping myself? <laughs> I fucking really I 
It's funny. I um, Tom and I were just talking about how little we give a shit about certain things most people care about. That's definitely one of them. I'm very low maintenance. I don't even match my socks. That's how little I give a fuck about um, general society things. I, wa- I constantly walk around with mismatched socks. I don't give a fuck. I, I can't be bothered, man. I got... I gotta do a podcast. You know what I'm saying? My head is my head is in the clouds. My head is in the it's somewhere else. It's somewhere fucking else. All right. What did I have for you? I had some oh my God. You know, it's I know I'm like 15 years too late on this movie, but I finally got around to watching This Is 40. Um, that comedy movie uh with what what's her Leslie Man? She's so what's her name? I think she's so funny and so talented. And of course, Paul Rudd, who, gosh, that guy can't seem to get a movie part, right? He's always, I think it's just Paul Rudd has the most amazing movie career. Uh, but yeah, so I watched it and I I tapped out like halfway through. I hope I'm not spoiling anything for anybody because it's an old ass movie. But I was like, if this is 40 to some people, I mean, what a depressing existence. Like, Jesus Christ. Uh you know, there seemed to be like, oh, I'm 40. Everything is so terrible. I don't want to fuck my husband. Or like, I like how his biggest problem, this guy, Paul Rudd's character, is that he eats too many cupcakes, right? The, the wife is like, you need to stop eating so much sugar. And she's like, I, I'll stop smoking. Like, that's their thing is that he eats too much sugar. Now, the irony is he also works out compulsively so that he can eat all the sugar. So I'm like, yeah, but if he's not fat, doesn't that kind of negate the bad stuff he's doing to his body? And isn't he kind of being a responsible dude? And uh, and that's cool. I, I don't know. I was just like, what? These aren't even real people problems. <laughs> I smoke cigarettes four, four times a week. I need to stop that. We're depressed. Like, oh my God, shut up. Shut the fuck up. Like if you, can I tell you something? Oh, that's Bitsy snoring. I, uh, I'm never bored in my life. I really, truly like, I, I, I don't, I really don't get bored. I think that the world is so exciting and there's so much shit to do and there's so many things to explore and there's so much, excuse me, to get interested in. I don't fucking understand these people that are like, we're in a rut. Blah. We've got too much money. Blah. We've got a trampoline in our backyard and a house and a, the kids are perfect. Everything's perfect. We're healthy and we're white. Uh, I'm still unhappy. Blah, blah. Like What? What are you talking about? I, I feel like these people have never had real hardship in their lives. Cause if you've actually fucking gone through some shit, Every day you wake up and there's no drama in your life is a gift. Like I remember like people always ask me when I work in an office, like, how, how's it going? And I'm like, great. Today's a day where there's no drama. Like nothing's wrong in my life. And that, that is a gift in and of itself. I don't have any cavities that are hurting. I'm healthy. I'm alive. I have a, a great life. I've got this husband who I dig and dogs and, kid and like you know i count my blessings there was this meditation louise hay had she still has even though she's dead you can get this on uh, i'm sure itunes has it morning and evening meditations um and it's so cute she's so cute because she's uh she <laughs> she would be like just be thankful for the bed you slept in last night isn't that amazing you got to sleep in a bed you know that a lot, there's so many people on this planet that don't sleep on beds. There's so many people on this planet that don't have a toilet and participate in open defecation. There's an entire country participating in open defecation right now. There's people, every time I'm like, sometimes I just marvel at the amount of toilet paper I own because I buy that shit in bulk on Amazon and it shows up. And, uh, and I'm like, I, I'm so blessed that I, I get all this toilet paper. <laughs> it's the really the little things. It's the little stuff I get really excited about. Like yesterday, Tom made a French press coffee. And, um, and I don't think there's any joy greater in life than pushing the plunger down on a French press coffee. So exciting. 
that moment when you're like, it's ready, it's ready. Oh my God, we've been waiting for like four minutes and it's ready. And we put it on Instagram. That's how exciting it was. And then I went to the cupboard and I found a bag of coins that I've been saving for, you know, years, right? You save your coins up. And I was like, let's go to Coinstar. Let's let's see what our fortune is. Let's see what we can reap the bounty of our our vigilant saving and our our uh, you know the conscious effort of putting every stray coin into this container here because that's what it is, right? It's a labor of of like this these years, this process of finding a quarter, and rather than just like throwing it in your purse or your pocket, you go, I'm going to put it in the piggy bank. I'm going to put it in this fucking Tupperware thing that I've been stashing away up above here in this. Uh, what's this called? Cupboard. And just be making that conscious effort for years and months and months. And finally, you're like, we're going to take it to the coin star. And it's the most gratifying thing you can do. Cause you know, it's so exciting to see what your fortune is and what you're going to spend your, you know, $50 on that you just made at the coin star. Uh, but that, yeah, that's what I was thinking yesterday. Like that's, that's it, dude. And if you're not thankful for that crap, and you're whining at your spouse about you eating too many cupcakes, even though you weigh perfectly fine, you weigh healthy, you're fine. Nothing's nothing's wrong. There's no negative repercussions for your behavior. I'm still gonna nag at you. I was like, fuck these fucking crybaby fuckers on this movie. I can't. I can't hang. I can't hang with low frequency, low energy, whiny like mentality. I just. I cannot take it. I fucking hate complainers. I like like people who complain about the same problem and do nothing about it. Like, what are you doing? I think that's why I'm so attracted to. Uh, uh, hold on a second. I got to fucking uh, Versailles. That show Versailles, and I'm, I love shows about kings and queens and royalty and people having to really deal with um, with huge problems and against great odds uh, 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 of prevailing. I mean, Louis the 14th, this is the the one I'm currently, I'm watching season one of Versailles over again. (laughs) The guy wanted to centralize power. He wanted to take it away from the noble class and make it his. And he wanted to have his castle essentially be in Versailles, which is outside of Paris and move all the nobles into Versailles and control them take their property, take their money. (laughs) And it's fucking awesome. And you're like, yeah, that's thinking like a boss. That's thinking like a boss. I'm going to force my will. And sometimes you have to, you have to force your will on others to get things done. You know, because there's some people that it's not my job or they don't want to do it all the way. You got to go all the way. You're going to think like a boss. You're going to think like a fucking can't doer, right? I'm trying to think of a great example of this. It happens all the time in my life or you're like, Hey, can we make this happen? And then the person you ask goes, yeah, but I can't, I can't. Well, I'll think here's an example from the Howard Stern show. I was listening the other day at the serious building. You check in at the front desk when you go to do a radio show there and your name has to be on the list in order for you to go up into the elevator, to go into the studios. It's like a secure environment. And Howard was complaining to Gary that, uh, his producer that, you know, Heidi Klum shows up and she's not in the the guest list, even though he's made a point of being like, dude, Heidi Klum is fucking showing up tomorrow. Do you think we can make sure her name is in the the guest list thing so that she can come up and do the show and it's a big star and it's, a, you know, good ratings, blah, blah. <laughs> Gary was like, so yeah, they, you know, the staff down there is not that great. So they missed it. It's like, well, yeah, they missed it, but then it's your job to Make sure that it gets done, bro. Like, who cares? You know what I'm saying? It's always an excuse of some people. Like, oh, it can't get done because because of this and that. Uh, you know what I mean? I feel like there's just two types of people. There's the fucking uh, can't not my job mentality, and then the people that just get things done and get get over the hump of of whatever it is and find a way and find a window and, and a hole and a secret entry. You, ma- you ever have fucking rats in your house? I have. Those fuckers get in by any means necessary. They will find the littlest opening, an opening you would never even conceive of. A tiny little thing. A mouse can squeeze its little body through an opening the si- like half the size of a dime. 
they'll get in your house and they'll shit all over everything and eat everything you got because there's a fucking will. There's a, a force of power, a, a force of will. That's what I'm thinking of. A will to power, a, 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 a love, a love for life and a zest for getting shit done and living. Not this low energy, this is 40 fucking crybaby white people shit. God damn it. God damn it. It it makes me fucking crazy, especially if you're born in a first world country. Are you fucking kidding me? You're born in the United States or Canada or wherever fucking whatever is a first world country. Gonna cry to me. You gonna cry to me about some bullshit. (sighs) God damn it. We're so lucky. We're so lucky. We're just so lucky to have all the crap, all the crap that I have. <sighs> Anyways, okay, let's go on. Let's get some. Nah, uh, nah, nah. Excuses. You know what I mean? That's all fucking can't do. Okay, hold on. Let's let's get some emails. All right, let's get into some uh, some fucking emails, bro. I wanted my theme song to come up, but it didn't come up. God, mother cunts. All right. Anyway, uh, let's get into it. So this first one, this lady says she's visiting L.A. She's turning 26. And in a rare impulse decision to buy a plane ticket to L.A., very exciting. Very exciting. She's out of a seven-year relationship, and she wants to see new places, try new shit, try it out. Very exciting. Um, She's doing it all alone, and I think that's really exciting. She doesn't, she, she, all the research guides her to super touristy places, checking out where celebrity shop, boo, I'm not interested, she says. I'd love to hear any advice you may have about what places are you like or things you like to do when you have spare time. Well, I don't know too much about LA. Plan to visit the comedy store. Good. Good. Okay. She likes beer, vegetarian friendly food, music, comedy, and she's also a runner. Okay, here's what you're going to do. Anybody listening that wants to visit L.A., fucking first things first, don't stay in the San Fernando Valley. Get yourself an Airbnb by the beach. That's right. Stay in Santa Monica. Stay in Venice. Uh, The beach is the most, I love it. I love the ocean, and Venice has tons of cool stuff to go to. A lot of vegetarian-friendly places, a lot of beer, a lot of music. Go to the comedy store. Absolutely. Let me see that weekend. No, Friday, 5-4. My show's in Huntington Beach that night. I think I might be adding a second one on 5-5. That's not in stone yet, but come to that show. You'll see a lot of mommies. Um, Let me just think about that. Oh, on the 5th, too, I know Tommy's going to be performing. I think he's at the store, too. Um, Or he's at some... He's doing local, too. So... I would advise if you are a fan of your mom's house, go to where the mommies are and you'll make friends instantly. So they're, they're at the comedy store. A lot of those people, um, I think Tom's at the store on the fifth. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, don't fucking do celebrity shit. You like to run, go run in Runyon Canyon. That's kind of fun. Um, take a surfing lesson when you come to LA. That's kind of exciting. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, just go to the fucking beach. Okay, there you go. Good luck, millennial, and good for you for traveling alone. I think that's a, it's a very fun thing to do, and I think very necessary. If you haven't traveled alone uh, in your life, try it out. <laughs> um, oh, you know, there's like a mommy Facebook page, too. I know if you listen to your mom's house, I don't know if you do. Uh, that might be a place, I don't know, to post like, hey, I'm coming to L.A. Any L.A. mommies want to hang or whatever? I really, truly, and I mean this, I have not met a fan of this podcast or your mom's house that I haven't liked and been like, oh, you're like a cool person. They're, we're generally cool people. I have, not, I, I have not met a single one that I've been like, yikes, get the hell out of the way. Get the hell out of the way. Out of the way. Uh, you're a crazy person. So yeah, find, find your community always. Okay. So this uh, came in. This is a great email. She writes, hi, mommy. I'm writing in response to your most recent show and a writer named Wendy. I can't believe how similar her child was to mine. I grew up in a home with two addicts, both of my parents. I am the oldest of two God, and I grew up shielding and raising my sister. My grandparents were the only people who were there for us. I'm 25 and put myself 
through college and now have a career. My mother has been in prison for a long time and is getting out soon. (laughs) She writes, fuck in parentheses. And my father has almost died three times this year from his addiction, but I find myself struggling with boundaries and worrying about me. They have been loving, caring parents here and there. And my dad used to be my best friend. So it was very painful. But I have found solace recently. Um, Oh, by the way, just so you know, this is in reference to a girl in the last episode who wrote in that her mother was a prostitute um, and I believe her dad was a junkie and and she really longed for some kind of family um, and was having a really hard time with wanting to, she wanted to kind of break her boundary thing and um, reconnect. So anyway, this is in response to that. She writes, this woman, um, Carla, she writes, I would suggest telling people to join Al-Anon or Nar-Anon. Uh, they can find local meetings and almost anywhere in the U.S. I can't even tell you the level of comfort, understanding, and love you feel when going to a meeting and finding a sponsor. Ooh, they work off the 12-step program, but adapt it for families and friends of addicts and alcoholics. I don't feel alone. I don't feel scared anymore. There's meetings I have been a million times better. Oh, sorry. There's meetings that have been a million times better than any therapist. Trust me, I have been to a lot. Thanks, mommy. Uh, You've helped me want to help myself and get my life good. Yeah, I forgot about those groups. I think that's a great thing for somebody who comes from a family, what you're dealing with addiction or codependency. Um, Al-Anon, Narnon. Very good. Yeah, I, I hear that. God damn it. I really want to try that myself. I'd love to get into one of these groups. Uh, what a great thing. I hear it's very good. Paul Gilmartin is a huge fan of support groups and connecting with people who've been through um, similar stuff. Yes. Thank you so much, Carla, for s- suggesting that. Very good suggestion. Okay. Let's see. I've got this other email. Uh from Ange, she writes, this is in response to the last episode, 165, where I talk about a drama-free life with a normal guy. Well, what is normal? Okay. Uh, not drug addicted, personality disordered, um, no drama, somebody who follows through with what they say they're going to do, who calls when they say they will, who comes home when they say they will, who pays their bills on time. Um, what else? <laughs> Doesn't lie to you. And uh, yeah, drama free. That is normal. That, that, that's a pretty good definition. A functional human being who doesn't make other people around them miserable all the time. So this is cute. I like how she writes this. Um, she said, I love what you said about normal guys not bringing drama. This is so true. I had to learn this the hard way. But thank God I did learn it before I completely effed up my life. I'm with a wonderful man now who, like you said, needed a little, quote, cosmetic help. He's a good, solid man. He's dependable, hardworking, responsible, a great friend, and lets me know how much he loves me in words and through all the things he does to help make my life easier. Best of all, no drama. I wouldn't have given him the time of day in my 20s. Over the years, I've slowly helped him replace his formerly nerdtastic wardrobe and haircut. He's so sexy to me now. When? I wish every young woman could hear this and take it to heart. Keep preaching, sister. Please keep preaching. The young women of today need to hear this now more than ever. Faithful is her, Ange. Thank you, Ange. Yes, I agree. The cosmetic stuff, meaning um, the, the external horseshit, the, the outfit, the hair, the glasses, the sneakers, the the jeans, whatever. Ah, all that stuff is like, yeah, most of the great guys that I've ever met, been friends with, dated, they didn't come to me in a slick package. They came with some, something that needed a little assistance. And but the core, the core was wonderful. And, uh, and I honestly, I, I'm not saying that stylish guys are necessarily shits. Uh, I am saying that I, uh, I, I know the guy very well. Who's the, the, <clears throat> the good time guy, like the guy that's going to fuck you around a lot and, and mess with your head and play games. Like, don't <sighs> let's put it this way. The guy that does that shit, I might be related to. (laughs) 
he may have raised me. Actually, actually, wait a minute. I may have grown up watching um, the good time guy, the liar, the manipulator, the uh, Romeo. I've, well, I watched it. I watched so many women come in and out of, of my life as a child. I watched um, my father manipulate, lie, ask me to lie for him up until about a few years ago even. Uh, yeah, to cover up the many, many lies to keep these many, many plates spinning, these many women on deck that are used for just gratification over and over, the ne- on to the next, use up, use up, beat it up, toss it out, right? Uh, and it's terrible. It's, it's sad and it's, it's empty. And, and yeah, there are people out there that will just use you men and women too, by the way, there's a lot of girls out there who just want to use dudes for immediate gratification for attention and then move on to the next one. So, uh, yeah, the person who's not focused on that generally looks a certain way. Maybe, maybe not as fancy a package, Maybe a little weird, a little quirky in some regard. Maybe you might play a lot of these Dungeons and Dragon type games. I don't know. Magic the Gathering is that still a thing? <laughs> that kind of shit. You'll have to be like, what? What is that? All right, knock that off. You're gonna stop doing that if you want to get laid. But anyways, well, thank you, Ange. Uh, I like hearing that that has made you happy. Okay. Oh, geez, this one's. Um, hold on. Sorry, guys. I'm technical difficulties here. One moment. Okay. Uh, okay. Up next, this is, uh, this is from a girl named Lillian. She writes, hi, main, main mommy water champion. Thank you. I'm a 25 year old wife and mother of two and have been listening to your show for the past two months or so. I'm so thankful to have found you. You've made me feel so much better about a lot of things. And I've also gotten a referral to see a therapist. Oh, Awesome. I think the whole world's problems can be solved. People just got their asses into therapy. She writes, anyway, I am dealing with a lot of mom guilt and anxiety. Nursing has been very tough on me, and I am proud to say we have made it five months. But I think our journey might come to an end soon. I've been having anxiety attacks before nursing when my daughter shows signs of being hungry, and it's driving me crazy. I've done everything my lactation consultant and close friends have told me to try with no prevail. How can I uh, get rid of this guilt and feeling of shame? I have worked so hard to nurse through getting... MRSA, I don't know what that is, having uh, no help, oh geez, close by since we just moved, Um, I'm sorry, having a very active three-year-old boy working as an Uber driver at night and baking for a living and a military husband, oh my God, we also have no help close by, that's what she's saying, I know I need to do this for myself, but it's so tough, being a mom is so rewarding, but so challenging at the same time. Thanks for doing what you do, and I hope you have a great Monday. Attaches a picture of my kids. Oh, super cute. There's two little cutie Rudies right there. Okay. Oh. Okay. I will read this. Hold on. Okay. Um, yeah, I tell you, this fucking breastfeeding craze, it's like, I'll tell you, I, I just took a maternity. Your kids are adorable, by the way. Thank you for sending me pictures. They're so stinking cute. Um. So I took a maternity tour last night of our local hospital where I will be delivering our second child. And the pressure to breastfeed now is it's in fashion. It's, uh, I think that breastfeeding versus formula, whatever, it kind of goes in and out of style because in the 1950s, uh, bitches did not breastfeed. Right? In the 1950s, they told you that formula is the best thing for your kid. This is absolutely the best thing you could do. If you can afford it, if you're wealthy enough, uh, you're going to use formula. It's the obvious choice. Obvious choice. And, and mother shouldn't be burdened by such things as waking up every two hours in the night to feed her uh, newborn child. Um, now, uh, it changed to everything has to be natural. You should uh, not, you know, drugs are, if you really have to, uh, but we have this great birthing tub where you can suffer for days and days in labor and have that natural birth everybody wants you to have. But guess what? Uh, Everybody I've known who's done the, the tub with the midwife and the not monitoring 
the health of the child. Sometimes, actually, everyone, everyone I've known has tried a home birth or a tub birth, whatever the hell. They end up in the hospital having a C-section because the kid's not being monitored and whatever, they're in labor too long and it ends up in exactly having this, the birth that they don't want to have. These people who who are trying to do what they think is right. I'm not shitting on these people. I'm saying that the pressure now is more than ever to be a natural mom. You got to do it naturally. You must breastfeed until that baby is in college. Uh, how long have you? How long did you do it for? It's so funny. It's like a contest, right, between women. This unspoken um, thing that we all do. But how long did you make it? How long did you make it? It's kind of like a badge of honor to be like, I made it uh, the full year. You're supposed to do it a year. That's the that's the gold standard. Is is one year? Okay. And if you fall short of a year, it's like we flog ourselves because that's the standard now. But keep in mind my love, that a decade ago, two decades ago, three decades, it changes every generation. So, I mean, uh, hey, for instance, in my show Versailles, it is unheard of that a, a queen would breastfeed her children. Queen Victoria had severe disdain for breastfeeding. She thought it was barbaric and unnatural. So it's cultural. It's timely, it's in the zeitgeist, and right now, the fixation on breastfeeding is enormous. So I'm touring this this uh, maternity ward last night, and they do the same thing that they did to me in Torrance, where I, I delivered Ellis. The minute that baby comes out, they put it on your chest because they want skin-to-skin contact. Yes, I get it. And also, for the ever-important breastfeeding, you must breastfeed the minute that child comes out of you. Despite the fact that the umbilical cord has just been cut and he's probably had a pretty traumatic experience of his head being squished through a birth canal and has a tremendous headache and he's in probably a lot of shock and dismay and discomfort because he was in a nice, dark, warm environment for nine months and now he's being thrust out under lights and noise and people and knows nothing. So... But the breastfeeding, you got to put him on your chest right away because he's got to start rooting and he's got to find your boob and he's got to find that nipple and he's got to suck the liquid gold. That's what they call it. The liquid gold out of your body so that he can get the nutrients and his IQ will be higher and he'll have uh, antibodies to things. Uh, He'll have superhuman strength. His life will be happier. He'll marry the right person. He'll become a genius. He'll start a Microsoft company. He will be all the things that you want your child to be. And if you don't breastfeed, if you fail at this one task, forget it. Your kid's a junkie loser. He's going to be dead in a gutter by the time he's 14. So that's your choice. (laughs) Much pressure there to breastfeed. And by the way, too, they showed us an empty uh, nursery. So back in the day when a woman had a baby, the civilized thing to do, which I kind of still stand by, and they did to me in the 70s and the 80s, and I think in well into the 90s, when a woman gave birth, because it takes a long time to pump out a kid, hours, days, sometimes women have uh, contractions for weeks leading up to delivery, they take that baby from you. And qualified people whose career it is to care for newborns, look after that newborn I don't know, a day or two, so that mom can rest and mom can gather her druthers and heal and lay down and not be pressured immediately into the, the uphill Herculean Sisyphean task of motherhood. I mean, I remember when I had Ellis, so they don't put the kid in the nursery anymore. They put the baby in your room now, in your room so now, not only are you, you've, you just had your body split in half by childbirth, and if you're a new mom, you've never done it before, you're fucking totally traumatized, you have no idea what's happened to you, and all you want to do is sleep. Sleep like you did before you had a kid. You just want to sleep. But no, you don't get to because of breastfeeding, because they have to put that baby on your chest, they have to keep that baby next to you now. So you can't sleep because they want that baby on you all night, sucking away at your tits so that your milk comes in and blah, blah, blah. It is inhumane. I think it is, it is bananas that they give you a newborn, especially if you're a first time mom, you have no idea what you're doing and they keep that baby in the room. And then to boot, the nurse comes in every fucking hour, two hours, wakes your ass up, plops that baby on your chest 
etc., etc., etc. Take the child from me so that I may recover and be a better mom in a night. Just give me one night. So I, I don't under, I just, it's, it's a complete change in, um, philosophy now. Uh, the, the impetus that we must be completely selfless, even in times of severe trauma of having just given birth and your military wife, I can't, I don't even know how you're alive right now, which means your husband's gone for months at a time. You have a three-year-old boy who's running around tearing your house up and then a gorgeous five-month-old girl. Of course you should stop breastfeeding in five months. I give you permission. You've done your duty. Your kid looks healthy and, and fine and you did it. You did it. It's a personal choice, but my God, just know that it is a cultural thing. And right now we're in the midst of a bizarro uh, pressured thing that you should sacrifice every fucking moment to your children and not be able to have, they're so cute. They're sitting together on the couch. (sighs) The expectations on mothers is preposterous. It is too much. It is just too much. So yeah, tapping out of five months seems really, really uh, great. Sounds fucking great to me. Um, why not start start at night, supplement with formula at night so you can sleep at least six hours, stretches. I don't know how long your baby sleeps right now, but uh, I mean, look, I, I'll go as far as I can with this one, but... <sighs> It's a lot. It's a lot when you stop breastfeeding. There's a guilt, definitely. I had guilt when I stopped with Ellis. But I'm an old-ass mom, so my titties don't make that milk fresh. You know what I'm saying? It was harder for me to produce. And, uh, yeah, the lactation consultant, that's my favorite, too. Those fucking idiots come over. Uh, I had a few of those come come around, too. (laughs) And, uh... Yeah, they, you know, they don't know everything, too. I had a woman tell me, a lactation consultant, yes, he's drinking. Look, he's gulping that milk down. Look how he's drinking. And he wasn't drinking anything. He the, he wasn't getting the milk out of me. It was just that he was sucking and I, what, he wasn't latching. And he lost a bunch of weight and then I had to supplement. So blah, 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 blah. They don't know everything. These consultants, these people, you know what your life is. You know what you need to do to stay healthy and take care of these two people. You're driving an Uber, so when are you pumping? Jesus Christ, at a stoplight? I mean, breastfeeding is another um, full-time job. It's horrible. It's really hard. And you have to pump and then carry the pump with you wherever you go. And then you got to find a way to keep the milk cold until you get home. It's it's a whole thing. It's such a ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculously difficult task to continue beyond a year and some women can do it for years. I've seen bitches do it at three years. If you can do it, man, but I'm just telling you, wow, I, it's so hard. Congratulations for even trying. That's, that's what I'd say to women with the breastfeeding. Just give it, it's, it should be easy. And it's just the hardest thing. It's so funny. It's just so, it's so horrible. Okay. Anyways. Yes. Stop. I give you permission. Uh, even though you don't need it. But I think that is kind of what you're asking me is, may I stop? And the answer is, yeah, you got a lot going on. Stop that shit. Your kid's fine. You t- if you're telling me your kid's fine, fucking stop. Even if your kid ain't fine, fucking stop. Jesus, give yourself a break. You're a person. And by the way, sacrificing everything for your children 24-7, I don't think is healthy for anybody. <laughs> it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for your kid. Can you imagine the crazy burden of um, feeling responsible for your happiness that a kid does when you have to sacrifice everything for that kid? The amount of guilt that child must feel unconsciously that you're devoting everything, every moment, every waking thing. Ay, 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 guilt. I've known people that were raised by those moms who gave up everything and sacrificed everything and was like the diehard, you know, perfect mom what happens is sometimes those kids grow up feeling really guilty and responsible for their mother's happiness. All that sacrifice and all that giving and giving, but my mom's miserable. That's the irony. You know, I know moms too that's that are, they give everything and they love it. There's women who fucking, they love it. They love driving, uh, you know, the field trip, the field trip cars. They, they love doing the fucking brownies. They love doing all uh, great. 
if that's your world and it, it's, it tickles you, do it. But if you can't, it's, uh, I'm, let's put it this way. Am I going to be class mom for my kids? No, probably not. But you know what I'm going to be killer at? Other stuff. Homework, reading. I love that stuff. Uh, I'll go to the games. I, I'm not fucking driving. I'm not driving kids. Are you out of your mind? I'm not fucking bringing snacks for people, making Valentine's for the whole class. Get your entire life. That is not happening. There's got to be limits to this stuff, man. Well, well, mom has time. I'm Ellis. My kid, he's in preschool, and they go, it's a Valentine's Day, so he needs to bring cards for the whole class. I'm like, what are you talking about? Treats, and, and we're going to have a buffet, and you had to bring it. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Here's a pack of cards. I gave him a nice pack of smelly cards. Here, take that. Here, ha- hand them out to two-year-olds who can't even read, who don't even know where they are, who don't even care what Valentine's Day is. <sighs> it's in- insanity. Insanity. Okay, anyway, let's move on. I'm all fired up. <laughs> the expectations of parents these days. Oh, my favorite, too. I get a post-it note from the, the teacher the other day. Have mom fill this out and return it, a form. Have mom fill this out and return it. I thought, why is that? Because dad can't read? Last I checked, he's pretty fucking uh, literate. It's always on mom, dudes. Mom, mom needs to fill this out. Well, it's just a, it's like a form. I, I don't have any specialized knowledge that my husband doesn't. I, I he knows our address too. <laughs> I was like, okay, mom, huh? Just me. <sighs> Two steps forward, ten steps back. Right? That's the that's the women's movement. It's getting there. One day, Dad will be expected to uh, pack lunches. Whoa, what? <laughs> Fill out forms. Whoa, get the Valentines. What? Okay. <sighs> oh, this is great. I'm not going to say, let's call this person K. would like to remain a bit anonymous here. Okay. This person writes, uh, hi, Christina. So background about me. No crazy childhood trauma. Pretty successful. Very intuitive. Basically, I've gotten my life. I have no problem cutting people out of my life that are toxic and who make me feel worse when I'm around them. Life is too short and I have my own family, husband, kid to worry about. Amen. Congratulations. Get You got your life. And that, that sums up your life getting, getting gooding perfectly. That's how you get your fucking life right there. I love hearing that. Congratulations. Fantastic. Now, that being said, I recently found out that a cousin of mine was horrifically sexually molested by a male member of our extended family when we were children. That's awful enough itself. However, I also found out that all of the adults in my extended family, with the exception of my parents, knew about the abuse and deliberately did nothing. I do not know the reasons for lack of action, but I was told that there was a discussion and it was decided the molestation would not be reported. What the fuck? Obviously, this has been earth shattering. Not only did they not protect my cousin, nothing was done to make sure this wouldn't happen again. I've been told the molester goes to counseling for his, quote, issues and has accountability partners, okay? Again, what the fuck? Molester is an elder in his church, oh, good, and involved in his community, you know, stereotypical predator shit. Here's my dilemma. This all came about when my cousin, now an adult, finally decided to come forward and report his abuse. I'm incredibly proud of him but absolutely disgusted with the rest of my family. Here's the kicker. No one else seems to think there was anything wrong with the (laughs) cover-up. I was actually told by a relative that I shouldn't be mad at anyone other than the parents of the victim as they are the only ones who had any reason to report it. I'm essentially being shamed for turning my back on my family and being upset about this. Gaslighting much? I've cut people out before without hesitation, and I'm mad enough to go no contact with that entire side of the family. What's really getting me is that I feel like I'm being made out to be the bad guy by, quote, blowing this out of proportion. (laughs) 
Whenever I've gone, no contact. It's been with a sane person. Wait, it's been with a sane person, not an entire group who is clearly fucking bananas. I think you mean an insane person. Uh, tell me, Tina, am I right? They're fucking despicable for what they did. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, Kay. Uh, it's despicable. It's fucking wrong. There are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. Life is mostly gray, I will say. But in the case of um, molestation, child molestation, pedophilia, rape, (sighs) incest, murder, uh, clearly all bad things, clearly bad. There's no fucking gray when it comes to that stuff, especially when a child is being molested. Hello. Uh, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't know why people protect pedophiles. I know this guy is in the church. You say, great. So what? Who cares? So now he's going to molest a bunch of other people in the congregation and people that he works with. So that's nice. Uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, look, this is, this is one of those things where when you decide to take the moral and the, the right path, Uh, You've got a lot of people who participated in something they might feel shameful about um, covering up this molestation and protecting a disgusting pedophile. So, yeah, yeah, you're going to be the odd man out. They're going to blame you because they're collective and you're just one person who's like, does anyone else see how fucked up this is? Um, I've had personal experience with this as well. Um, prepare, listen, when you set boundaries and you decide to go healthy, basically you're going to get pushback from the crazy motherfuckers in your own family. Sorry, it sucks. And this is, this unfortunately is one of the downsides to getting your life is that you have to be strong enough to take the flack from well-meaning people in your family, often well-meaning who may not be on the same path you are. Of like, hey, I, you know, I just, I don't think this is right. This is the, they're just somewhere else. They're in a different place. So they're going to fight you. They're going to call you ridiculous. They're going to say you're overreacting. Uh, I don't know what's the big deal. I mean, you know, that's just so-and-so. That's just how they are. You know that. Oh, but they had such a bad childhood. You shouldn't um, blame them or God, that's just how that person is. You know that that's just how your, you know, Aunt Carol is. Why don't you just deal with it? (laughs) Uh, So expect the backlash, expect the gaslighting, expect people not to get what you're doing. I think that's like, that's just the second part to going no contact and setting boundaries that you believe in and that are going to keep you healthy and they're not going to get it. And that's fine. So now they're despicable. Uh, You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. They should have protected your cousin. And uh, I, you know, fuck them. They're wrong. And I'm glad that you're there for your cousin. And uh, now it's your your task to help protect him or her from this shitty circle of assholes who uh, shielded the, the predator. <laughs> it, it makes me crazy. I, I, I absolutely have zero tolerance for adults who do nothing when a child is being clearly abused and hurt. It makes me crazy. I hate it. I just, it's like, and they, people do it all the time. Turn a blind eye, ignore, ignore, ignore. It'll go away. Just close your eyes. Don't worry about it. <sighs> yeah. Cause it is harder to stand up and tell people how fucked up it all is. You know, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. So, yeah, they haven't gotten their life. Whatever. Fuck them. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have to go through it, Kay. It's fucking shitty. It's really, really shitty. It's not fair. It's definitely not fair. But uh, that's part of the, um, that's part of the fun of getting your life. That's part of the the drama of getting your life, unfortunately, is that you have to kind of deal with people that don't have theirs all the time. And it can be lonely sometimes, it can be isolating, but you just have to look to the people who are healthy and remind yourself that you deserve to be around healthy people and that you deserve uh, to take care of yourself because that's what you're doing. And they're not always going to get it and that's fine. That's where they are. They just have to, you know, wish them love, on to the next. Okay, and you don't have to explain yourself either, by the way. 
That's fucking futile. I've had that one. Uh, yeah, when I went no contact with my mom, it was like that that kind of stuff too. Like, what? I mean, you know your mom's just ex- just spicy. She's just, uh, you know, that's just her personality. Gosh, what's the big deal? You're just overreacting. Oh, okay. You, you go deal with her then. <laughs> you think she's so great? You be your daughter. You try it out. <laughs> you see how she treats you. Uh, that's the thing. These people never have to deal with the stuff firsthand. They're like, oh, it's fine. Then what are you talking about? This person's great. <laughs> that pedophile is fantastic. I don't know why you're not into him. You don't like Uncle uh, Uncle Frank? Oh, gee. We, he seems nice to me. He's always coming around here with candy and lollipops. and <sighs> He's a nice guy. Why don't you, <laughs> why don't you act cool? Because here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing. There's a lot of people out there who will not respect your boundaries, period. There's just people out there that are, uh, is it habitual boundary steppers, as Charlie Murphy said, <laughs> perpetual line crosses. Um, yeah, there's people who just don't get it. And that's fine. That's not, who cares? That that's just them. It's their personality, fine. And it's your job to maintain your shit. You have to take responsibility for your own stuff, and you are. And yeah, people aren't always thrilled, that's for sure. But why can't I step over your boundaries? Why can't I? Wait, why can't I just do what I want to do? <laughs> That's essentially their argument, by the way. But wait, why can't I just go back to treating you like shit? That's what I want to do. Why don't you just let me do that? Um, okay, because that's terrible. <laughs> You're wrong. You should do what we're all doing. Yeah, I know. Sick, sick, sick motherfuckers. All right. I got to go. I got to breathe. I got another cold, a toddler cold to deal with. But anyways, uh, email me. That's deeprowpodcast at gmail.com. Get tickets to my live shows at christinaponline.com. <laughs> and, uh, and that's it, bros. Until next week. That's been deep, bro. And uh, enjoy your life, man, because you only got one. Okay. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye, Mommy. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with with. It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.